see. It's past eight. I wonder, I wonder where he is. Hello? Hey, Dan, where are you? Uh, we're doing the podcast, right? Yeah, right now. I'm waiting on you. Exactly. I'm the one you're waiting for. Yes. You see, you see that's the thing. Yes, I'm waiting for you. Yes, that's, I'm the one you're waiting for. That, that's the thing that we're doing. Can you just get here already? All right, geez, I'm just trying to, you know, trying to do the opening bit thing. What's the problem? I thought it was funny, you know. I'm the one that you're waiting for. You're the one that I'm waiting for. Whoa, what is this? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Wait, hold on. Can we can we stop? Hold on, let's stop. Just Where's the off button? This is the episode I've been waiting for. I know. You've been telling me how you've been waiting for this episode. You were telling me in previous episodes how you were waiting to get to this episode. I specifically wanted to get to this episode for a Danny story. For mine? What, a story that I have to tell? Yep. That I've told you before? Yep. Have I told you this story multiple times in the past? Because I definitely don't tell you the same stories over and over. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> I didn't want you to imply that I would ever do that. Oh, no, that no. I have a history of repeating the same stories again and again. This is one that I think you've only mentioned once, maybe twice, because you forgot about it for quite a while. Ooh. I don't know what you're talking about, so that's nice. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be very excited to find out what my story is. Because, yes, today we are talking about the first song off of the fourth album by Reliant K., Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just have to say, very difficult title. Always been a very difficult title. I guess that was the joke. That it would be like, they'd name the album something that, like, you can't really say very easily. You right. gotta go, mm-hmm. Um, I so, read somewhere that the band's not super happy with the album title. Oh, really? I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that is something that I read on the internet. I, know, I remember when... Um, and I've seen this video again recently when Reliant K was on Jay Leno. Yeah. And Jay Leno's like, um, or something. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't. <laughs> I think they were actually on Jay Leno twice. They were on for, mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. They were on for Be My Escape. And then I think they were on again for like faking my own suicide. Oh, okay. Well, this would have been for uh, Be My Escape. When he's like, here's the album. It's called Um. Oh, yeah. That's really yeah. the name of the album. It's really in K. <laughs> oh, actually, he's Jay Leno. He's like, eh, and it ain't in my albums. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say it. Like, we always say, mm-hmm. We stop our speech to go, mm-hmm, when we're talking about this album. But it's so confusing that we need a nickname for this album. So it doesn't slow down our podcast recording. How about just, mm-hmm. Um. Or how about M-Him? We can call it M-Him. You don't like that? How about yeppers? Perfect. Because it's not like a synonym for, for mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm, it's kind of a positive thing. Like, yeah, mm-hmm, I, right. I agree. Yeah. So we'll, say, we'll call this yeppers. Perfection. So we're talking about the first song off of Reliant K's fourth album, Yeppers, called The One I'm Waiting For. But Jess. Yes. You might have to wait a little longer for us to talk about this song. Oh, really? 
because first of all, we have a little top of the show business. I'm ready for it. We started getting voicemails in. Awesome. Um, Sorry, April is playing in the background. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> April. She can do that. She's a professional. <laughs> She's our professional engineer. She happens to be a dog. So when the kibby bull comes calling, she's got to drop her headphones. True. And she's got to go get her food. True that. Um, But yeah, we started getting voicemails in. There's a couple of them here from someone that I know. Let's see. Hey, Danny and Jessica. This is Andrew um, from Magnified Pod calling in to make some comments about your first episode, the Hello McFly episode. So I want to just right off the bat say uh, Jessica won me over immediately by uh, admitting that Weird Al's Running With Scissors was an album that she purchased in 1999 because I too was purchasing that same album and I am a, I stand hard for my boy Al Yankovic. So, and also uh, speaking glowingly about the Back to the Future films and the franchise that there is, they are perfect films. So if you guys keep this up, you, I mean, this is, this is, you're off to a great start. I'm feeling very positive. I'm feeling very, um, very happy about this about this project. So keep up the good work. Uh, I did have um, just sort of a flashback cringe moment when Jessica mentioned the uh, the WoW Worship CDs and Open the Eyes of My Heart Lord and, and that whole era of worship music. And it just brought me to a very dark place. So anyway, guys, um, appreciate it and can't wait for the next episode. Talk to you later. Bye. So that was Andrew from Magnified Pod, which is the MXPX fan podcast. I'm friends with those guys because I run MXPX memes. And before they started their show, they were DMing me. So when we were announcing that our show was starting, I let them know about it right away. Plus, they're the ones, they have a voicemail line. Mm -hmm. They were the first podcast I was familiar with that actually did the Google Voice thing. So he was our first caller. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. And heck yeah, Weird Al. <laughs> Running with Scissors is actually in my car right now. I have a six-disc changer, and it's been disc two, I think, for like the past year and a half. Danny actually introduced me to UHF, and that was like, that was yeah. life-changing. It's a life-changing movie right there. Yeah. So good. We rewatched it the other night. I have a cousin who's in the music industry, and he actually has a record label called Spatula City Records. Mm-hmm. And didn't you like not know that was reference? Yeah, I didn't to know UHF? what that was. Yeah, I had no idea what that was in reference to. And like that Spatula City bit doesn't even necessarily have to be a part of UHF. Like you could just watch. I'm sure there's YouTube videos of just the Spatula City thing. Oh yeah. You that's like something that you could lift out of the movie. It's like you don't even specifically know. Yeah. But it's so funny that I introduced you to that. So we have another voicemail. Ooh. Hey, Danny and Jessica, this is Andrew from Magnified Podcalling. So I need to discuss something with you about uh, the way you talk about these covers. So I'm listening to the, the Preston On episode right now, and you're being very generous with with some of these. So 
I know you don't want to come off as jerks or anything, but let's be real. User 737860093 and his co- ukulele cover of Pressing On, he sounded like Kermit the Frog singing, Pressing On, going, stress is going, going, gone. He, no, it was, it was not great. And I think you need to be upfront and honest with your listeners that if you find something and you're not into it, maybe just, yeah, and the, and the, the girls that did their cover of the, of Preston on at their, at their graduation, they sounded unbelievable. I mean, yeah, there might be a little cringe for themselves nine years down the road when they're like, oh, remember when we did that? That was embarrassing. But they sounded unbelievable. Like there were times when they were just harmonizing. They're crushing it. So I think, if anything, like they're the ones that had the the strong, the strongest musicianship, this other Chris Caraba wannabe guy. Like everybody has these vocal tricks and they're the ones just hitting the notes, hitting those harmonies, and they're not doing any, anything fancy, no fancy production, just getting up there and ripping it. So Kate and her sister, they're the real heroes. You're right. It's funny. Danny and I were talking about that later. And I was like, after we had finished recording, I think it was like the next day. No, it was, when, it was whenever I was editing the episode. Uh-huh. And I just came up to Dan later and I was like, I fucking hated that Chris Karabik. <laughs> Paper Rockets. Paper Rockets. I went back. I was like, it's very... It came off as very douchey, and I was not a fan. Can can we say douchey on this podcast? Sure. I liked it, but I liked it because he had captured a very specific style, a thing that I know you have no nostalgia for, specifically. Uh, yeah. Something that people might associate with Relying K in the mid-2000s, but that you don't. You don't associate it with that sort of mid-2000s, early 2000s to mid-2000s emo, like, no heartfelt, acoustic guy. Oh, and do you know, it's so funny. I, so, um, my best friend was over today, and she, her degree is in music. And so she came over, and I was like, hey, can you, I was trying to cheat a little bit. I was like, can you listen to this song and tell me all the technical things that I should say to sound really smart? (laughs) And she wouldn't do it. But she did listen to the song, and she goes, oh, yeah, I like this. It's very, it's a very technically sound song. Um, But she was like, yeah, this sounds like Fall Out Boy. And I was like, how dare you? (laughs) How, what? How dare you? Wait a second. Did she write that awful article from last week about how Reliant K sounds like Blink-182? I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna have to take that up with Antoinette later. I already know she doesn't listen to the podcast, so. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe we were a little too nice with the covers in the first episode. But then again, I got really worried that I was being too mean in the second episode. So, who knows? Who knows? You can't ever, you can't please anybody. Maybe we can please this third guy. Let's see who called this time. Hey, this is Andrew again from Magnify Pod. Uh, I'm going to become the Daniel Starrett of your podcast. Um, that's a joke nobody will get. Anyway, I want to also say thank you for shouting out our pod. That's really nice of you. And I will speak on behalf 
of John that we will 100% do a crossover app. It needs to happen. It will happen. We, we, uh, podcasts of the niche Christian alternative music scene, we need to stick together. So, uh, I'm really enjoying the shows. You're dynamic. Uh, so keep it up. Keep pressing on. And I hope those problems fall out of the back of your mind at, at some point, Danny. All right, bye. So, yes, that's the last one. Andrew called three times, but he called after the Pressing On episode was out. This is before gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Chapstick came out. And he mentions Daniel Sterrett, who is this guy that calls their podcast constantly. Although Google Voice translated Daniel Sterrett's name as Daniel Spirit which I think is pretty awesome. I'm going to start calling Daniel Starrett Daniel Spirit all the time. That's he, an awesome he, stage name. It is. Maybe I'll take that name for myself. Oh, you should. Uh, but yes, thank you very much, Andrew, for calling. We appreciate it. And we will, yeah, we want to do a crossover episode with Magnified Pod and the Fiber and Frenzy song for that we sure. like did. Yeah. They live in Chicago and you have family in Chicago. That's so right. maybe at some point we can actually do a live in-person crossover episode as opposed cool. to calling over uh, Facebook Live or whatever. I do have a really awesome baseball shirt that Danny got me when he went to the yes, show. Yes, I just uh, saw Five Iron Frenzy this last weekend. Jessica couldn't make it because she had work, and I got this baseball tee, and it's it, really soft. It looks like a Journey or Def Leppard or you know that kind of or or um, what's some what's what's that? It's very eighties, yeah, very it, 80s, like a Judas like, Priest or Judas something Priest, like that. Sort of like, yeah. Arena heavy metal rock. I love it. Shirt from the seventies. I'm a big um, I'm a big eighties hair metal fan. So yeah, good stuff. I feel like I feel like our in love with the eighties episode might be just really long because it's going to be me talking about all the things I love about the eighties. <laughs> We're just going to simulcast an episode of I love the eighties from VH1 and just let them talk for us. Oh, that's no fun. <laughs> Um, I think I've only seen one of those because they do a bunch of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's like dozens of episodes of that show. I wasn't allowed to watch like MTV and VH1 <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> We've established I know nothing about music. Well, we do have one more voicemail. All right. And it is not from Andrew, I swear. <laughs> and it's not even from the other guy from Magnified Pod, John. This is from an actual like person who listened to the podcast out of nowhere. I wasn't ex- I wasn't expecting it. It was just suddenly there. Awesome. And um, uh, let's see. Hey, Jess and Dan. This is Riley from South Carolina. And I'm just calling to say loving the podcast so far. I'm listening to it on my way to work and when I'm just hanging out. And um, I had kind of an interesting story about um, chapstick, chaplets, and things like chemistry. Um, actually, around the time that Jeff got into Reliant K was when I did in 2004, except I was four years old, and my mom had just picked up two lefts don't make a right but three do on CD and kept it in the stereo in our 2003 Dodge Durango for. 14 years of my life and so every time we turned the car on that song would play that's like when I think about my childhood that's exactly the song that I go to so that whole album means a whole lot to me and that's kind of what got me started loving Reliant K so yeah can't wait to hear the episode about it and I hope you guys have great rest of your week and a great time recording thank you 
I love the look on your face when you found out he was born in 2000. I love that. I love that story. <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel so old though. <laughs> she, I did not let Jessica hear these voicemails before. She has access to the account, but she just, you know, didn't, I didn't tell her that, hey, they're there. Well, thank you, Riley. That was awesome. Yes. I really love that story. That's so cool. Um, yeah, so keep those phone calls coming in and don't forget we also have an email sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com and the twitter people have started tweeting at us as we record this tonight the chapstick episode came out this morning well, now we're recording the fourth episode yep. so uh yeah people are starting to tweet at us and ask us for to do songs and i'm like hey we've got our first two months planned <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know but we're open after that yeah um although i know what we're doing for halloween Ooh, yeah. spooky. spooky. Or should I say creepy? You should say creepy. Actually, you should probably say creepier. Oh, now I know what it is. Thank you, spoiled it. <laughs> Too many hints. Um, Yeah, so that's our voicemails. Uh, so we can start. We got. A, I got a lot to talk about with the song. I'm very excited to talk about the song because when we did Pressing On, I got really excited because I found a lot of stuff, but I found a lot more stuff for this song plus i actually have very specific notes to talk about it oh yeah it's exciting but we again will have to wait another minute (laughs) to talk about oh boy to talk about the one i'm waiting for because i completely forgot that this album has a hidden track at the beginning of the cd it does i can i had completely forgotten about this and this actually harkens back to our discussion about Marilyn Manson ate my girlfriend. Because when we were talking about that, no, I'm sorry, when we were talking about Hello McFly, we did a little preview of our discussion of Marilyn Manson ate my girlfriend because at the end of Hello McFly is the voicemail from Toby Mac saying there'll never be a song about Marilyn Manson on a goatee record. Yep. In that episode, I ended up in this whole loop where I said the words negative seconds about a hundred times because what I was talking about was pre-gap time in a CD. Mm-hmm. And this that, that's what I was talking about. It's called pre-gap. And that's basically where, not to say the word again, but where <laughs> the next track starts and your CD player says track two is started. But if you have the right kind of CD player, it says right. negative four seconds, negative right. three, negative two, negative one. And that's where people would put in little skits and maybe little build up to songs. Like I thinking about it now, Five Iron Frenzy's live album, they used pre-gap in between a bunch of songs for the stage banter. Oh. So the stage banter wasn't technically part of each song track, but it was in there. And then, as I talked about during the Helen McFly episode, MP3 software comes around, CD ripping software comes around, and they have to decide where does pre-gap tracks go to. And typically they go on the end of the previous track. Is this one called Mm-hmm and it's actually at the end of the album? No, it's called, the song The song is called Mm-hmm, which is surprising because the album's called Yeppers. But <laughs> it's at the beginning, it's before the first track. You have to have the proper kind of CD player. Like, look at the back of the CD. I haven't looked at the back of this album in a while. And I've looked at the vinyl. We own the vinyl, and I've looked at the vinyl more often. And Um, I... Yeah, it says zero. Sorry, it says zero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think it might actually be in the vinyl. I don't know if it's in every version. We have the more recent 
uh, SMLLXL. <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce the name of that company out loud. Small, medium, extra large, large, extra large, vinyl, whatever they're called. Yeah, I don't know, but I dig them. I'm wearing a shirt that I'm wearing one of my Reliant K shirts that I got from them today. It's a throwback. It's the green with the penguin. Jessica, they're not giving us money. Please don't give them. <laughs> please don't give them free advertising. But I think that these tracks might be hidden on the vinyl somewhere. I don't know. I've never figured that out. But I think they might, I think it might just be at the end. And that's how oh, okay. I believe it's listed on iTunes is the very last song is just, mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah. Well, on the CD, if you have the right kind of CD player, and some CD players won't allow you to do this because they just somehow technically don't understand that when you start the CD, if you have a rewind button, not a track back button, but a rewind button, and you just immediately press the rewind button, you find that pre-gap song that's set before the first song on the CD. So I had pretty much never even realized this. I was, at one point, I was really good at always looking for hidden tracks on CDs. But then at one point I just, and I'm talking about in the early 2000s, like I started getting CDs in the, like 1995 or something like that. And I, I just wore every CD out, figure, even if I didn't really like the music, I just wanted to figure out everything mm-hmm. about everything I owned. So at one point, I just stopped looking for hidden tracks. It just didn't entertain me anymore. And this is one that pretty much completely passed me by. Occasionally, I'd look at the back of Mm-hmm, and I'd see, oh, there's a zero track, but I don't think my CD player can get to it, so who cares? Now, that track is also later on Mm-hmm 10. I mean, Yuppers 10. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I'm actually looking back right now, and it is not in... The regular, mm-hmm, but it is in uh, Yepper's Ten. Yeah, it's it's located as a. It's located at the uh, number sixteen mark. It's the sixteenth track on that. So before we talk about the one I'm waiting for, I think it's twenty seconds long. We can just listen to the whole song of um, the eponymous Yepper's track. <laughs> think i don't know why i thought this was at the end maybe it's because when my cd would like cycle back around it would start playing it so i always just was like oh when i first put the cd on that's not the song that comes on maybe i I just sort of thought when i let it play all the way through that that was just the end song pre-gap tracks were completely contingent on the cd player you had the computer you had the software whatever kind of cd deck if it was in your car so who knows, like whatever CD player you had, if it repeated the CD, it might have just picked up the negative time at the beginning of the first track. Yeah, Right. But that's a fun song. That's a nice little way to set the tone. I wonder, you know, I mean, I get that zero tracks are mysterious and fun and I'm sure they're enticing to artists, but I just, I didn't think they were fair. They were not, like not everyone could hear them. Like it's impossible for everyone to hear them. And it's like, oh, I'm special because I know about the zero tracks on all my CDs. I don't think I really realized that zero tracks were a thing until recently. Mm-hmm. And I had this CD where it would have said zero, mm-hmm, but I don't know. Um, There is, Fiber and Frenzy, there's another one to on Fiber and Frenzy CDs, um, All the Hype That Money Can Buy. There's a zero track on that. I know there's a zero track. I think there's a zero track on Factory Showroom by the MIP Giants. I'm just trying to think of CDs I owned that I knew had zero tracks. 
There's probably a list out there somewhere. But what do you think of the actual song from Mm-hmm? It's got a nice Beach Boys vibe. Yeah, it does. That's the main thing that I, was, that I thought. It's got the sleigh bells and the yeah. harmonious humming. They're all very Beach Boys-y. Which is funny because this song doesn't really set a tone for the album as a whole. No. So I wonder if that's why they hit it like that. Yeah. Like they were maybe they recorded this and thought we'd open the album with it, but then they thought, oh, it doesn't really set the tone for the whole album, so let's hide it, yeah. make it a little extra thing. But it clears up how to pronounce mm-hmm because they're going mm-hmm. So that's how you pronounce it. It's actually mm-hmm. That's how we should say it from now on. Forget yuppers. Okay. So forgotten. <laughs> so getting past that, the first song, track number one, off of mm-hmm is the one I'm waiting for, and this song is a banger. It's great. I love this song. I do too. Yeah. Right off the bat, this song shows that this album is going to be heavier. The song itself is more complex. It's deep. Um, and opposed to that like lighter tone of Chapstick, which perfectly kicked off the lighter, more fun material of Two Lefts, this this lets you know what you're in for with Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's like that. it's going to have a more mature sound. You mean Mm-hmm? Uh, yeah, I love this song's really great. You know, like this song is probably my favorite song on the entire album. Oh, wow. Which is kind of crazy because I know a lot of people really love this album and I do like this album. But now that we're taking this journey, I'm starting to realize that it's Anatomy and Two Lefts that are probably my favorite Reliant K albums. Like, I there are songs from their whole discography that I love. And I liked this CD a lot when it came out, but it didn't. And there are, you know, there are bands that passed me by, and this is not a case of that. There are bands that like I loved, and then an album comes out, and I'm like, oh, they're going in a direction that I'm not prepared to do right mm-hmm. now, and I don't. This isn't the band like that I enjoy. That is not what happened with with this album, but. I could see how that could happen because I think you and I are at the, I think you and I are at the right age where, you know, we had the exposure to earlier Reliant K Mm -hmm. first and then we're exposed to, mm -hmm, but it was what all the other music, like popular pop punk kind of music was at the time. Right. So it felt like a very normal transition versus like, I, I know we've talked about how we kind of fell off around that like collapsible lung era mm-hmm. where I think it was because they took such a different turn right? that we were like, oh, we weren't really listening to whatever was more popular. You know, we were, we were graduating from college and stuff like that. And so we weren't, we wanted like the old stuff again. So I can understand how someone who really loved and had a lot of those really sort of precious moments with the first three albums mm-hmm. would come into this and be like, oh, maybe this isn't my thing. Right. But that's not how I felt. That's not how I felt. Honestly, I really liked this album and I listened to it a lot, but I didn't listen to it nearly as much as I listened to the second and third album. It's, And I was already, I'd been listening to music for a decade now. Like I'd started listening to rock music and punk and ska and all this stuff when I was, you know, in 1994, 95. So I was already used to the idea of bands changing with each album. I was used to the idea of finding a band that I liked and not liking their earlier albums because they sounded rougher. I was used to the idea of like a fun band. I'd already learned about this, about like a fun band will eventually 
get kind of serious. Like that's happened mm-hmm. for a number of bands that I like. And so when this happened with Reliant K, I was not surprised and I wasn't upset. I was like, this is a very clear path for them to take. Um, it's just like, I didn't have the strong emotional connection to this album that I had with the previous two. I still like it. And there are other bands that I had strong emotional connections to certain albums. And then they came out with another album where I was like, I just don't understand this at all. A band that had happened to me big time with was um, Big D and the Kids Table. When they came out with their Fluent and Stroll album, which was their first very... They created this new sort of musical genre that's kind Mm -hmm. of ska, but uses a lot of other elements. And it's very experimental. I really recommend this album now, actually. But at the time, I was not prepared for that at all. And I was actually kind of upset. I was like, why is this happening? Like, this is not a band. I was prepared to mature. But we even talked about it last week where we saw the progression. We see the progression of each album along. And, and this progression made perfect sense to me. It's just that I don't have the mm-hmm. strong emotional connection to all of these songs. But this song, I really love. That's funny because I did have that emotional connection to this album. Um, you know, as a kid, I would listen to this on on repeat. It was very relatable. And yet, s- sort of almost like you, though now as an adult, I don't quite have it as much. I don't find myself putting on mm-hmm, quite as much as I definitely did when I was younger, like a teenager driving around in my car, maybe being a little angsty. And, and I think it's because this album is, well, it's a more mature sound and there are more, more mature lyrics and wonderful lyrics on this album. There is sort of that angst and sort of a very specific era of music that this this harkens back to. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's like, even though maybe, you know, you could say that that some of the lyrics are a little more adolescent off their first three albums. I don't know. There's something more like fun about them. There's a little less attitude, maybe. I don't know right. that 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 I find myself returning to those songs time and time again, and I kind of put mm-hmm on the back burner. And one of the great things about this album is that it really and truly captures the spirit of its time. And I think that's probably why this album in particular gave them that sort of push into the mainstream spotlight. And, and I mean, because you know, not everybody knows Reliant K. But, you know, most of the time, if you say Be My Escape or like you play Be My Escape for them, they know it. And sometimes they'll know all of them. Sometimes they'll know the one I'm waiting for. It just kind of depends. I totally get what you're saying. I would say, however, that this album, while it is sort of has its a place in the time that it was made, it also has a more hopeful tone and a more hopeful theme than maybe comparable bands from the time. Maybe the other bands that were sort of setting the tone that pop punk and pop rock had at the time, maybe things would have been a little bit more dour by another band. But I think when you look at each specific song, and I was listening, unlike the first three albums that we did, I didn't really listen to those albums as a whole too much when we were going to talk about those songs. But when I started with the one I'm waiting for, and I was just really vibing off of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, let me start listening to this album again and get a real sense of this album. That's when I realized like, oh, I don't have as much of a connection to each of these songs. I was starting to see a pattern where this album, I think as a whole is like someone sort of dealing with desperate feelings. Like there's songs on here called Life After, Life After Death and Taxes and the only thing worse than being a dead horse is betting on. These are very sort of dour sounding things, but mm-hmm. the songs themselves all have like a happy like a positive tone both musically 
and even if the lyrics are a little down it's almost the opposite of they might be giants or real big fish where those are very happy songs <laughs> with very desperately sad lyrics right. where and then you're confused because you're like wait these lyrics are upsetting but the song's so happy it's the opposite like these are kind of slightly down songs for reliant k musically but there's still a message of hope in yeah. there you still get a feeling of hope when you listen to it yeah this opening guitar rift mm-hmm. so good it's like and the beat and the beat when i hear it so like when i put it on we bought the vinyl not too long ago and when i put the vinyl on when i started to do my like research for this song i was like yeah i was taken right back to 2004 like it's just so good one thing i thought about this song and re-listening to it a lot this week is that it is a fantastic use of stereo like i really love the stereo mix of this song because there's multiple guitars Mm -hmm. there's this thing with like that each strum is kind of happening on a different channel of the stereo, right? And mm-hmm. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's coming from two separate guitars, but it's mixed so perfectly. And, you know, you take one earbud out, you're hearing half the song, you take the other earbud out, you're hearing the other half of the song where things kind of weave back and forth. And one thing I hate in some music is the stereo mixes where they just put all of one instrument on one side right or all of the other instrument on the other side that is so obnoxious and it's like very very distracting if you're listening with headphones (laughs) like obviously i love the ramones but like one of the worst examples of it is the first ramones album where all the bass is on one side and all the guitar is on another side right and it's just so obnoxious just hearing that album in mono is much more pleasant Mm -hmm. but when a song like this that is so layered with effects and guitar and this amazing beat that is so technical and strong that when they do all of these this stereo wizardry you're not distracted and think and noticing it's almost like good special effects in a film like or good acting in a film it's like when it's so good you don't know it's there so when you hear this song you might not even see hear the stereo mix and it wasn't until i started rooting around on youtube and finding things that people have done with the song, they started to realize, oh, you know, there's so much going on in the left and the right in this song that I really love it. And it's one of the best examples of that, where, as I have so many songs that I hate because the stereo mix totally screws them, this is an example of doing it perfectly. So sort of talking about the tone of this album as a whole, if I kind of focus in just on this song, one thing I'll say is that it wasn't until I was really analyzing the song this week that I thought about it, but most of my life, having heard this song, I was never really totally clear on the message. And I think that is because Matt Thiessen would wrote a song that is basically like a sad song, but with this tone of hopefulness. So it's kind of, and I will talk about who the song is believed to specifically be about. But before we get to that, I just want to talk about my not having known who this song was about. That basically I would hear this and I'd be like, I'm, I'm, I would be confused. I'd be like, oh, did he, I guess this is a breakup song? I'd be like, no, wait, I guess this is just a song about a couple that's having some trouble, but maybe they're working out. And I'd be like, oh, no, I guess this is a song about an unrequited love. It would go back and forth like that, and I was never really sure. It, it feels like it could be any of those. Yeah. It feels like it could and be And that's, just, I think, what good songwriting is, really. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it absolutely could be about a guy who's pining for a girl. 
it feels like it could be about a guy who's been with this girl before and maybe wants to get back together with her. He's still waiting for her to be the one he's waiting for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. And I think, and and you kind of touched on this, it almost feels like there's two different songs happening in this one song. Yeah. And I'm going to get into the lyrics a little here because... Because there's the plot about the girl who's, you know, so confident that she's what everybody wants, but nobody wants her to know that. And then there's so fall back on all of your premonitions and just learn to listen to those who have more wisdom than you and just stop putting so much stock in all of this stuff. Live your life for those that you love. And then you go back into that like sort of a plot with I'm still waiting for you to be the one I'm waiting for. The way that girl can turn ahead, she, well, she is such a threat, but don't ever forget she knows it. And she's got it all, all figured out, and she won't let you doubt. She knows it. I'm still waiting for you to be the one I'm waiting for. And then the end of the song could really go either way, mm-hmm. because it's something tells me that this is going to make sense. Something tells me this is going to take yeah. patience. Something I focus on that me, one as well. Yeah, something tells me it'll all, this will all work out in the end. The whole time you're reading that, I couldn't help think of that songmeanings.com person who just like wrote the lyrics and is like, this is an explanation of the song. They don't want to, they're, they're looking for who has their cell phones. They don't want, they want their, whatever. I did not mean to hearken back to any of those vibes. No, that's fine. But, um. But it really is. It's like yeah. you have an A plot and a B plot and maybe they all mean the same thing and maybe they don't. Yeah. So to focus in specifically on the lyrics like this, I would say that there are things in this song that for the last 10 to 13 years, I've had wrong. Like 15, 16? Yeah, 15, whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> 19 minus 4. Um, I'm not, I don't know math. The one specific one, well, let me start with the one that I didn't actually believe. There's that line, um, just learn to listen to those that have more wisdom than you. I know that that's the line. I've always known that's the line. But occasionally I would think the line could be to those that have more wisdom than youth. That's like more of a thing like where I, if I'm thinking of the song and haven't heard it in a while, that would be the line that's in my head. But then as soon as I hear the song again, I'm like, oh no, it's those that have more wisdom than you. Which also as a line kind of harkens to, is it six, 17 Magazine? 16 Magazine? Yeah, 17 yeah. Magazine. 17 Magazine. That, uh, we are Reliant K fans. Um, there's a lot of, there, I think there's a couple of songs, and maybe we'll figure out just how many in these first four albums, and maybe there are ones later where it's about asking for advice and asking for wisdom from people. Mm-hmm. I think there's more than just these two songs that have that specific idea that, mm-hmm. you know, oh, ask yeah. for wisdom from people. But I, that line doesn't make sense to say those that have more wisdom than youth because he's not specifically saying ask for someone who is old to tell you about love. Like he's saying, you know, anyone who has wisdom about love or relationships, like go ahead and ask them. So I knew that wasn't the line. And he doesn't mean just with girls, with anyone. He means with anyone. <laughs> The line that I absolutely got wrong pretty much until I was researching the song, it was actually YouTube covers that made me realize I had it wrong. I thought the YouTube covers were singing this wrong. Then I pulled up the lyrics and I'm like, oh my gosh, I heard this wrong forever. Then I re-listened to the song and I'm like, no, it's there. I was wrong. Is, let me read this out correctly. She's so confident that she's what everybody wants, but nobody wants her to know that. He says that her so quickly and it kind of, it only subtly changes the idea, I think, 
but I, I didn't hear the word her. I'd never heard him say the word her. So I thought the line was, she's so confident that she's what everybody wants, but nobody wants to know that. I always thought it was, here's this girl that knows she's desirable, but nobody that desires her wants to believe it. And I thought that was a pretty reasonable concept to have. It seems like something that people actually feel, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, like hey, I, I think this girl's hot, but... She knows she's hot, but I wish, but I don't, I don't want to delude myself. I want to think she doesn't know she's hot. But no, the line is, nobody wants her to know that. People actually want her to not realize that she's desirable. Right, because. That's the message. Yeah, she's the one who, she's very confident and she knows that she's what everybody wants, but nobody wants her to know that. Yeah. Which I totally get because I, I have very low self-esteem and I'm a very self-deprecating individual. No. (laughs) I don't accept this. So I think it's something and that like I would have a crush on a guy and as soon as he became like cocky or I saw that like he knew that he was attractive, he suddenly became so unattractive to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm more attracted to humbleness, I guess. So I, I kind of. That's good because I'm extraordinarily humble. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I'm the most humble guy around. That's why we work out so well. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, I always thought that the ownness of that lyric was on the people who wanted her. That they don't mm-hmm. want to know. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But it was actually, it's on her. She's the one who they don't want her to know. Right. Totally, for the first time, realized that. At first, I thought it totally reshaped the entire song. Then I let it settle down. And I'm like, no, it's a... It's, it, it works either way, sort of, but right. it is a, but there is a distinction that artistically the person who would write the song would want you to understand. But I, he says that her, that her so quickly, and especially because this mix of the song is so sort of wall of sound, mm-hmm. that it is really hard for me to hear. I did not read that in a misogynistic tone until you just said it. I don't know why, but I'm like, wait a minute. Is he saying that she shouldn't be confident? Because no, that's not okay. No, I think that's the idea of the existing lyric is she's confident, but nobody wants her to know that she's so desirable. Everyone wants her to think she's not. I think that's the idea. I don't know if it's necessarily. I like it my way better. Although you could say, so I came across this thing, which I I can't, I I have a really hard time seeing it this way, that from more than one source, that they thought that the song was supposed to be about Christ waiting for his church Mm -hmm. to be who they're supposed to be. I might have seen this. I was doing some digging and I realized in our last episode, you were more going for the blogs and the posts about the songs. I was trying to keep to to media-specific finds. Right. But I might have seen that and been like, I feel like Jessica's going to find this. And also, that's not correct. Yeah. Because... I was like, I can't no, see that. It's and not at all. He's specifically... T- no, he's specifically talking he's specifically about a girl. He's specifically talking about a girl. And he's specifically talking about his relationship with that girl. And not that, that it couldn't just be a broader, open, more open concept, because it could be, but I just don't see it as that. Yeah, it could be an allegory, a metaphor, a simile, or whatever, but it's not... 
It's not. We talked about this in another episode that it's not just Reliant K, but it is a very Christian music industry specific thing. If you're looking for a crossover hit, just write a song about God and to use the pronouns so that it doesn't, it could be taken either way as a girl or as God. Like there's jokes. But I'm just like not where getting all the, that vibe from yeah, this. You I'm know? not. No. There's jokes like where you replace the babies with Jesus's and, and the same pop song becomes a Christian song. I think that might have even been in The Simpsons. Mm. But yeah, that's not the case with this song. Be, I think Be My Escape, right? We yes. are going to debate that a lot more yeah. when we get to it. That it may be you know, about Definitely. relationships or about God. Or maybe Reliant K was sort of playing the field and specifically being vague. But this song is only about, and I and I like I've said before, I don't like putting a piece of art in a in a single box and saying this is only what it is. But that's what this song only is. It's only <laughs> about a relationship with a person. So I guess we can mention, open it up, that this song is supposed supposedly about one Catherine Elizabeth Hudson, whoever that is. <laughs> Uh, that's apparently who it's about because there have been interviews here and there or whatever saying that that's who it's about. So wherever she is, I wonder if she knows this song's about her. I'm being coy. Allegedly, and I found little bits of proof here and there, if you can call them proof, about Katy Perry, who was dating Matt Thiessen at the time. And the thing is, this album came out right around the time that I pretty much was having my last direct communication with the band because mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'd have to look to time this out and understand the timeline exactly. But one of the, the last time I talked directly to a member of Reliant K at a show was Warp Tour. Okay. I think it was Warp Tour 2005, which I guess would make sense. I guess mm-hmm, would have been out for a little over a year at that point. Um and it was, we actually yeah, missed Reliant K. I think it came K. out in, in November of 04. Okay. We yeah. actually missed Reliant K. We didn't get to Warp Tour on time for their show that day. They played early. But then we saw Matt Hoops just standing in the crowd at May. M-A-E, the band May. Yes. And so we talked to him and we said, oh my gosh, you know, uh, Be My Escapes on the radio. This is crazy. And he's like, yeah, it just kind of happened overnight because the album had already been out for a little bit before that. And that was great. And then it was years later when Jessica and I were, we were actually moving to Chicago at the time. We, were, we had been living in Florida. This is 2011. We've been living in Florida. We're moving to Chicago. And Jessica's the one who found something online. She's like, oh my gosh, did you know that Matt Thiessen used to date Katy Perry? I was like, "What? when? And something starts to click in my brain. And I'm like, when? And she's like, oh, in like 2000, from like 2000 to 2003, something like that. And I'm like, oh, I've talked to Katy Perry. I had never realized that. I was just like, that was Matt Thiessen's girlfriend at the time. Because when they'd come through and they'd play at Soul Fest in New Hampshire and all this stuff, there was this girl there. And I, if she was performing at the festival as Katie Hudson, I had no idea because I didn't go to the main stage or the, the singer stages and stuff. I was just interested in the bands. So I would have no idea if she was performing there that weekend. And yeah, I remember like one time at Soul Fest, probably 2002 or three. I'm not sure. I'd have to figure that out. But I was like talking to one of the members of the band. And I'm like, oh, where's Matt Thiessen? Like, I haven't seen him 
so far this weekend. And he's like, you see that girl over there? And he points to this brunette girl. He's like, just stand around where she is. Eventually you'll see Matt. It's like, oh, okay. Had no idea who that was, who that. (laughs) And so, yeah, then Jessica and I figured this out. And somewhere on a DV tape is me talking to Katy Perry with my camcorder because that weekend I was going around getting every band I could to say nice things about my friend's band, Good For Life. My friends had a band, a ska band in New England called Good For Life. And I was like, I'm going to get everybody. Can I had a new video camera? So I'm going to get everybody I can to just say nice things about Good For Life. And I'm going to put these all online. And I didn't know who she was, but I'm like, hey, can you say something nice about Good For Life? I'm like, you're, you're Matt Teeson's girlfriend. This will be cool. And I have still not found that tape since we figured this out eight years ago. That's when we figured this we out. We need to find this tape. We need to find this tape. I'm so It'll be excited. a Patreon exclusive. Oh. Speaking of. Oh, yeah. So we're working on a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're working on a Patreon. Uh, we're going to probably have like exclusive episodes where we talk about uh, Matt Teeson and Earthquakes and maybe Al City and Ace Troubleshooter stuff. Like, you know, basically side project. Mm-hmm. We are going to... We might be doing the K for Karaoke tracks on there as opposed to doing those as regular episodes. A couple cover songs we'll do, we'll still do as free episodes. But then the main thing I'm excited for for the Patreon is the Reliant K Book Club because I remembered (laughs) that this book existed, but I had no interest in it in the time. The complex infrastructure known as the female mind. Yes, their their so-called relationship book that talks about how to talk to girls and stuff. And Jessica, I haven't read it. I bought a real beat up copy on Amazon and Jessica was reading it out loud to me. And yeah. I was like, oh boy, we're going chapter by chapter through this. We sure are. Yes, we are. There um, you go, Andrew. See, we're being a little mean right now. <laughs> <laughs> to the band. I realized that for the first two months of this podcast, for the most part, we're going to be really positive because we are only doing the first tracks. And first tracks on almost any album are usually the best songs. So even like the two albums that I know are the mm. least interesting to you, I don't mean to spoil this, but Forget and Not Slow Down and Collapsible Long are the two albums that Jessica knows the least. Collapsible Long is definitely the album I know the least. The first songs on those albums are great. I love Forget and Not Slow Down. But um, yeah, even the first, even uh, even Don't Blink is a great song. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to really get into the songs that we dislike for a while. I mean, I like Don't Blink. Yeah. I don't like Forget and Not Slow Down. But you don't know all the other songs in there. No. No. We'll find no. out. Um, I did. Tr- I tried to listen to Collapsible Long the other day. And... But we'll get to that later. <laughs> we're talking about the one I'm waiting for today. So, yeah. So now knowing... So I did find, like... I, I heard... So now I heard this, right? That this song is about her. And as soon as I we learned about that, I was like, oh, I bet everyone thinks that every song is about her now. And that's one thing I hate to be, is that kind of assuming yeah. fan. Like, I always found it... I was always a snob for this stuff because when I was a Foo Fighter and Nirvana <laughs> fan in the mid nineties and any like early internet blog or like article I read, like where people were like, Oh, the song, my hero is probably about Kurt Cobain. I'm like, there's no way the song, my hero is about Kurt Cobain. It's just, that's the only thing you know about uh, Dave Grohl and how everyone thinks that every song off of Blink 182's last album is about Tom DeLong. I hate to be that guy. So I hate to be the guy that assumes every song is about Katy Perry. But it appears that that is the case for this one. I did find a show review 
Um, from what year? I'm not sure. Where did I put this? Let's see. So yeah, I found a review on IamTunedUp.com concert review with Reliant K. It's and a classic site. Hello Goodbye. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the page to load, but... Oh, remember Hello Goodbye? Yeah, I remember oh, wow. That. I haven't thought about them in a minute. It appears to be from 2013. Spring Tour 2013. Hello Goodbye, William Beckett. And Mike Maines in the Branches with, uh, with Reliant K. And in this review, it says that Matt Tietzen specifically introduced the one I'm waiting for as about Katy Perry. So if we oh. can believe IamTunedUp.com, if they have that kind of journalistic integrity. I believe they do. Yeah. I, I, they've never steered me wrong before. So kind of knowing what we know about that relationship, as little as we know about that relationship in hindsight, mm-hmm. it put... And then figuring out that I, you know, couldn't, I never really knew what kind of song this was. If it was like a torch song or if it was a hopeful song or if it was a breakup song or what. Now I'm like analyzing the lyrics again. I'm trying not to overanalyze them too much because I hate to overanalyze lyrics. But the last line about how somehow this is going to make sense. This is going to take patience. When I would hear that line, I was like never really sure. Like in my mind, having no idea who or what the song was about specifically, I would think this could be meaning what's going on right now in our relationship is going to take patience and it's going to make sense when it's through and our relationship will be stronger than ever. Knowing that we know those two aren't together in real life anymore, I'm like, well, does does it mean what's happening now hurts, but someday it's going to make sense. I have to be patient and let this bad time this pain this breakup happen and it's mm-hmm. going to make sense in my life when everything has settled down right i think either of those makes sense i think that's why this is a really great song because like songs where i don't want <laughs> except that the song's definitely not about the second coming of christ or the church or anything i don't like songs to be too absolutely set in one interpretation mm-hmm. i like to be able to move back and forth between them and yet you completely beyond a shadow of a doubt believe that the one that got away is about Matt Tyson. Yes. I, that's, I mean, I just, it's just, it's there, whatever. Um, well, while we're on the subject of that, I did find, I don't know if we're done talking about the song. I don't think we are, but I did find this YouTube video. Somebody says that they think the Katy Perry song Still Breathing has a reference back to this song. All right, I should pause this video and explain. So this person made this very dramatic 45-second video where they show a bunch of pictures of them together, and they're like, this song, the one I'm waiting for, is about Katy Perry, and here's this other song. And then when they do the interstitial showing images, they drop in some sort of Pond 5 dramatic music. But basically, the song Still Breathing has a very similar sort of, and I'm not a musician, so I don't know the exact phrase for this, but it has a very similar sort of tone lift in the song so here's Hmm. the clip of the song of still breathing by katy perry and then here is the two songs layered on top of each other it's a bit of a stretch i'm still breathing i'm still waiting for it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I don't think it's 
too crazy to at least imagine that because there is precedent for this. There's um, Mark Hoppus from Blink-182 dated one of the singers of Dancehall Crashers and the song Apple Shampoo is basically about their breakup. Mm. And he says... I thought it was about Head Over Heels, that Freddie Prince Jr. and uh, Julia Stiles movie. <laughs> where he, like, in the beginning, like, drinks a bunch of her, like, apple shampoo. I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> about. But there's a line in Apple Shampoo by Blink-182 where he says, this means everything, to, it meant everything to me. And then there's a Dance Hall Crasher song later where she says, it meant everything to me too. So people basically think that that's a direct reference and call back to each other through mm-hmm. their songs. So I guess it's not impossible, but it does seem like a little bit of a stretch to say that these songs are direct references to each other. Down to you. It was down to you, not head over heels, where um, that where, where he does that. Down, over, they're all directions. I can understand how you'd mix them up. So yeah, this song, I love it. It's a toe tapper, that's for sure. Love tapping those toes to this song. It is. It's a real toe tapper. <laughs> just... I'm just trying to segue into covers because unless... Well, there's also an acoustic version, a live acoustic version of this. Oh, I think I might have found that. Um, yeah, let's get into other versions of the song uh, before we do covers, of course. Yeah, and, and so while Air for Free and Consequences and Overthinking are songs that I, I definitely think I prefer acoustic... Or even like Who I Am, Hates Who I've Been, and Mountaintop, where I, I think I like them both kind of equally. The one I'm waiting for is not a song that I super dig the acoustic version of. I'm not sure where this is from because I did find it on YouTube, but there's not a direct reference to where mm. it's originally from. And I went on Discogs because I was like, did I miss some EP or was it in some promotional disc? And something I never realized about Discogs is you can click a song and it'll generally tell you every version of that song and where that song has appeared on which albums. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not user generated. Like I think some of them have been fixed up by users, but the ones for Eli and K are all algorithm generated. Uh So hypothetically, if there was a song that the algorithm didn't figure out is also the one I'm waiting for. Like if it was just called one I'm waiting or something by mistake, it might not know that that's, Right. Also the song. But anyway, point is, I found this acoustic version, and I, no one says in the comments, and nothing says in the YouTube description where it's from. So maybe somebody out there knows, if we don't know. Uh, here it is. It's like a work of art, and this is the worst part. She knows it, and she's so confident that she's what everybody wants. But nobody wants her to know that So fall back on all of your premonitions And just learn to listen To those that have more wisdom than you And just stop putting so much stock In all of this stuff Live your life for those that you love One thing that we'll talk about in a little bit is that the covers of this song actually revealed more of the song to me. Like I even said, the lyrics that I misheard, I figured out in the covers. 
but I even kind of started to understand the tone, the very unique tone of this song from people's covers, how mm. it is not just a breakup song. It is not just a hopeful song. It is not just our relationship is in trouble, but we're going to work it out song. Mm-hmm. It can be all of those things. And it was the covers that may really reveal that because it's such a perfect, it's such a perfectly produced song, Mm -hmm. which is crazy that, you know, these songs themselves, the songs themselves, I do not have the deep emotional connection I have from the first two albums, but the album is perfectly produced. We even talked about it last week when we were basically breaking down their discography and how there's a trilogy in those first three albums. And then there's sort of a duology in these next two albums. And then where does forget and not slow down fit and all this stuff. I even watched an interview with Matt Thiessen where he said the first three albums were basically a test run for mm. Yeppers. And then, <laughs> and we said that last week. We said the exact mm-hmm. same thing last week. Obviously, Matt Thiessen said it before us, but it's just <laughs> funny that we had parallel thinking in that way. So the point is that the song is so perfectly produced on the album, and it's such a great rock song that some of that emotion was masked a little. And then in hearing covers and in hearing this acoustic version, I started to unravel really the emotional core of this song to myself. One thing I'll say is that not just in this version, wherever it was recorded, if it was some sort of session or whatever, and then they did an acoustic tour a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. and this song was also played on that tour. A lot of people's acoustic covers in reinterpret it. They don't necessarily feel beholden okay. to the technicality of the guitar that's played on the album. Whereas I think Reliant K, they interpret it. <laughs> they do in, they ha- they do change something to make it an acoustic song. Right. April. <laughs> <laughs> um but they still kind of, you know, you you heard it there where he starts on the guitar. Not like it's Wayne's World. <laughs> you heard that part. I'm not crazy where he's... This part. Hold on. That yeah. part. That, that A lot of people didn't do that. So, you know, I'm not sure. I I, I definitely like this acoustic version as well. Um, I wonder if that's why they did so many acoustic versions of songs on this album and a lot of them ended up on the apathetic ep Uh and a lot of those songs do feel better or adjacent or just just give a totally different meaning to the song when they're played acoustically because you do get a lot more of that raw emotion when they're slowed down and stripped down yeah so here is i think this is from the acoustic tour uh Reliant, I mean, it's they're playing acoustic. Reliant K, Rocket Town in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, when was the video uploaded? It was uploaded in the pacing Uh of the song that it just doesn't 
it doesn't feel as good in acoustic. Yeah, I don't know. Well, well there's like an acoustic version. Like, slow down like that. Maybe, an, maybe if they just did a straight acoustic version where they played it fast. Maybe. There's an acoustic version in here that I re- uh, cover in here that we'll get to that I really like. Uh, we'll see if you will like it. But I don't, I'm not as crazy about the band themselves playing this song acoustic. Um, I just made a shrug face that doesn't picked up, doesn't get picked <laughs> up by the microphone. But yeah, uh, I mean, it just, I don't know if, it, I just don't know, personally the band, when, how they decide to play it acoustically doesn't necessarily translate for me. But I can definitely see how it would for some people. It's not a bad interpretation of their own song. So how do you feel about the live version or versions of the song? Because we've mentioned in previous episodes that you kind of like that grittier live sound. Uh, Yeah, no, when they play the song live with the full band in a style similar to the album, I definitely like it. There's, I forgot to mention this, but this is the first song that we're talking about that's one on one of their two official live albums that were released on vinyl. This is on the 2009 version. But I know it's also, there's also a Hard Rock Live live video that was on YouTube. Yeah, I when I came across this, I was like, wait a minute, this is from Hard Rock Live in Orlando in 2005. And I'm like, was this the show I was at? How many times did they go to Orlando in 2005 to play at the Hard Rock? And were they, I mean, did it look like this would have been been them opening for a simple plan? It does. <laughs> does it look similar? The thing is that I was like... I did find this version as well. And when I found it, I was looking and I'm like, I wonder if this is Jessica's concert. And I'm looking at people in the audience and I'm like, it's all a bunch of Jessica's from 2005. Because <laughs> they all have that that sort of pop punk girl look to them that you had sort of going <laughs> Jessica wasn't a full pop punk girl but she was I wore a lot of Abercrombie yeah fish, she, so. she had sort of a mixed thing going with like the preppy and the not re- mall punk not really a mall punk sort of look that's how you still look like that when I met you I used to, in 2006 I used to wear a lot of like movie t-shirts with skirts mm-hmm. with like plaid schoolgirl skirts oh yeah so I <laughs> Hi. I just heard you. You were in there and you went, hi. So I'm not sure if this is my show or not, because I do. The thing is, is I have a very vivid memory of this show, but not the song specifically that were played. But it would make sense because this whole set is only six songs. And I remember I've mentioned before, I took my friend to this concert who also liked Reliant K. And I remember us both being bummed that they only played songs off mm hmm. I remember uh-huh. us being like, oh man, they didn't play in love with the eighties because we both really loved in love with the eighties. Uh-huh. So I mean it 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 would make sense. Yeah. I don't specifically remember the cameras, but I guess they very well could have been there. Like they they actually yeah. they might have been there. And I'm just not remembering because so we and this is a thing that you can cooperate. So I did not go to a lot of shows when I was younger. I didn't go to a lot of concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a lot of theater and like musicals and stuff like that. But my first show was Spice Girls. My second was Kenny G. Mm-hmm. And my third was the 18s, Element, and the Baja Men. <laughs> That's a sweet lineup. It is. I was specifically there for Element or Elementy because it was all the guys from making the band. You like reggae. <laughs> it's 
all the guys from O-Town that either didn't make it into O-Town or the Hawaiian guy who I had a crush on who just didn't, who ch- he chose that he didn't want to be in the band again. Was that on MTV? Because if, sure, if so, I was allowed I to watch don't that. don't know. <laughs> but I was allowed to watch it because they filmed it in Orlando. Like, they filmed it specifically in the town that we lived in at the mm-hmm. time. So we that was a show my family and I all sat down to watch Aww. at night. But anyways... So this was, I think, my fourth concert, and that's not counting. They had these this thing called the Flower Power Festival at Epcot. <laughs> I'm going super Epcot Orlando concerts local. Never count. I know. So I saw like Herman's Hermits and Davy Jones and Paul Revere and the Raiders and like all those like '60s bands with my parents there. But that doesn't count. So this was like my fourth ever concert that I went to and the first one that I went to by myself. And so I still had that very parent mentality of, well, you have to get seats. You don't go (laughs) to a concert and stand up. And so everybody was down on the floor and the floor was just general admission. And my friend and I had seats up on the balcony looking over. So that's why I'm like, the cameras were probably there. I just don't have a vivid memory of it because we were like paying attention to all the You could have been in these videos, but you were lazy. You didn't want to stand on your feet. I took you to Streetlight Manifesto and Less Than Jake (laughs) in like 2007 and like you couldn't and real big you, fish and real big fish that's right and you couldn't take it by the end you were like oh i got to stand around in a crowd of people i'm like yeah that's the idea look i get claustrophobic i didn't i had not been i had not grown up in the whole punk show scene i think that was at hard rock as well it was yeah that was something that i started doing when when danny came into the picture was we went to a lot of and we still go to a lot of punk and ska shows but i had no idea what that life was at that time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the the, yeah then i take you to smaller shows like what did i take you to like uh voodoo glow skulls and western westbound train and big d and big d and that was that was the social in Orlando that's like a smaller club that only holds a couple hundred people and it's like okay you can sit over here if you get lazy (laughs) I love you you're so mean let's listen to a little of of the concert that you went to I just want to pause it here because I love that Tyson drops the guitar, lets it sling, and then walks over to the piano and plays the piano. And then when the song kicks back in, the camera's not even on him. He just magically teleports back to the microphone. But I, yeah, I like that live version. It's a little rougher. It's a little more... Tyson's got a no effects sticker on his uh, keyboard. It's pretty punk right there. Showing those showing those punk rock roots. Um, yeah, and I, I touched on this a minute ago, but this song is one of the first song that we're talking about that is on one of the two official live albums. This is from the 2009 live vinyl that came out. 
And let's and so let's listen to this. So yeah, I like this version. Yeah. I feel it's, like there might have been an extra little drum fill in there. Yeah. And this sounds very, uh, very U2 opening drums. This is a very technical song. We haven't talked about this, but it sounds like a very technical song. And there's a lot of drum and guitar covers. People just love to experiment with playing this song for mm-hmm. themselves. And in this version, the live vinyl version, it's particularly, I like how the drums are kind of doubled up and then there's that little u2 uh reverb on them Mm. um this is also like right around the point where matt Thiessen's voice is changing a little bit so it's Mm kind of nice to hear that comparison there speaking of the drums on this song sounding kind of u2 i remember i actually found a blog on wordpress jive writes j-i-v-e writes w-r-i-t-e-s uh, he wrote he wrote an article called "Still a Fan Reliant K" June twenty second, twenty eighteen, and he wrote that one time he heard on purevolume.com the song called "The One I'm Waiting For," and since we're not super technical in our explanations of music, we'll let Jive Wrights do it. Ooh. He says in its first few seconds, the first thing I noticed was the significantly higher production value in the drums. Hey, you know what? I already said basically that, so. I'm not getting my money's worth yet. Uh, The higher production value in the drums and the shuffling, almost edge-like guitar riff, and the whole band kicked in at its breakneck tempo knocked me on my ass. As the song continued, going from double time to half time to drumless breakdown and back, startled, I pondered, is this Reliant K? Then, (laughs) Then they released the now signature song, the perfect Be My Escape. Um, and he talks about Be My Escape. But yeah, I guess apparently there's a lot of good shuffling in this song. There's right. halftime, double time, drumless, then back. And it's amazing. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about Be My Escape someday. But I sort of, having listened back to this album over and over a lot in the last week, mm-hmm. I realized I actually like this song better than Be My Escape. Same. Yeah. Hard same. <laughs> and I just, I find the, the, the tempo... And the guitar and the message and the lyrics, I just find the whole thing more fun and entertaining. Whereas Be My Escape is a song that I definitely enjoy. I just don't have, I just don't find it, I don't find the beat. I I need Mm -hmm. that beat gets into my bones, (laughs) into into my blood. High of 75 is my favorite song off this album. (sighs) I'm just kidding. I like that song too. Um, Because it's fun. Yeah. I also really like this week the trend. 
Oh, I watched the um, I watched a full, the full set from the Paradise in Boston from the. I did watch the first the, part mm-hmm, of that. Ten yeah. tour, yeah. You know, I never went to the Paradise very much. Again, I happen to have only ever seen a Christian band there. I saw more than just Christian bands, but the only band I ever saw at the Paradise was P.O.D. <laughs> Rockin'. I went to the Axis and the Avalon way more often, and those places are now gone. Um, but yeah, Paradise is still there, and I've only ever been there once. I love uh, Matt Thiessen coming out with no shoes on. I'm like, who does he think he is, Fiona Apple? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly who he thinks he is. <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm Fiona Apple. Oh, before we move on, I did find someone posted what they called Reliant K, the one I'm waiting for, instrumental. And so you know, they do not own this song. No copyright infringement intended. But then they do list uh, where you can download this off Mediafire. I'm not <laughs> clicking that link. But basically, this is not an instrumental version. This is not a cover. It is just that they took the song and they mixed out as much as they could. They did that sort of like boosting up the bass and lowering the treble thing. Also, possibly they just removed a channel from the actual audio. Hmm. But it's interesting because you can hear some of the guitar more separated from the rest of the album in this track. So I'll play just a little bit of it. Part of that almost sounded like Blink-182. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now I'm just bitter. <laughs> oh, no. But they mix it in such a different way than yeah, Blink-182. Just because yeah. they have a similar guitar tone. But they add so much more on top Not of it. Not in the end. It was just that, like, Yeah. As I mentioned, how I really sort of unwrapped this song for myself was through the covers. So if you want to start checking those out and seeing how... I figured this song out a little better. We'll start with Glenn Hodson, who did a cover a day. And this was apparently day 197. Wow. He is a very tattooed man with dreadlocks and a big, big bushy beard. This guy is hot. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, I don't look anything like him. (laughs) You got the facial hair? Morning, all. Happy Monday morning. New week, new things headed your way. So, somebody like K. The way that girl can break a heart is like a work of art. And this is the worst part, she knows it. She's so confident She's what everybody wants But nobody wants Her to know that So 
fall back on all of your premonitions. Just learn to listen to those that have more wisdom than you. Just stop putting so much stock in all of the stuff. Live your life for those that you love. I'm still waiting for you to be the one I'm waiting for. What do you think? I like the guitar. I mm-hmm. like I like what he did with the guitar there. This is part of what I realized in some of these acoustic covers is that people really strip the song down. And that's why I found where Reliant K has done acoustic versions of this and they're doing a full mm-hmm. band acoustic version or even that one where it just seemed to be single guitar right doing that same guitar thing that happens on the studio version didn't really appeal to me whereas people who are basically turning into these like soft lullabies yeah not doing the chris caraba thing which is a very common thing for a lot of online cover people to do but doing this more lullaby thing there's also something in the vocals of the the chris caraba thing that's just if that's your thing that's your (laughs) thing and if not it's a little off-putting here is another there were a lot so is there something called wine core that should be a thing (laughs) there are corks that come with wine is that close (laughs) enough uh this one has 86 views it is matthew wita hey y'all hope ya enjoyed the cover check out my other music depart north and videos if you like this the way that girl can break Psycho work of art This is the worst part She knows it She's so confident She's what everybody wants But nobody wants To know that So fall back on all of your premonitions Just learn to So he does a little, so he starts out with that really pretty thing and then he sort of picks it up double mm-hmm. time. <laughs> it kind of accidentally comes across almost like a little ska beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, I don't like it as much. I don't either. I, pr- I preferred the first. I think he has an interesting voice. I know we're not mean enough, <laughs> but I do think he has an interesting voice. I don't know if this song works for him. I think there yeah. are probably other songs out there that would work better for I him. I don't think that the vocals necessarily worked for either of the two ones we've watched. Right. But I think they made the song their own. Again, yeah. I'm probably just being too nice, but honestly, like he didn't they didn't sound like Kermit the Frog to me, so I don't know what to say. Oh, by the way, I love Kermit the Frog. Danny does a really good Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Andrew also did a really good Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Andrew did a much better Kermit the Frog than I did. So good, I love it. Here's a cover that I didn't care for. So he's <laughs> Oh boy. This guy I think is well meaning. Um, I think he means it when he plays this song live. The video is a little funny because it's a very busy video with a lot of people walking around and not really paying attention to the guy who's singing. This dude's so cool with his hat tilted to the side. 2006, and it looks like 2006. Yes, it does. The video is very shaky. 
So it's a very different version of the song. I don't like it, but I was found it. Fa I do find it fascinating. There's multiple things happening. This is like a very '90s coffee shop vibe, although it's 2006. It's actually got. He like, looks very 2006. He does. Um, a lot of the people walking in and out. I think it's like some sort of open mic night because there are people just walking casually in and out of his performance. At one point, the camera totally follows a person that's just walking. Yep. Past. Yeah, it does. They're like dressed in like a suit with like <laughs> yeah. a like a zoot suit or something. Um, no, yeah, that's not an enjoyable version of the song, but I found it fascinating because it almost sounds like that sort of like post-grunge acoustic thing that sort of happened that almost sort of like Our Lady Peace like not quite that but just sort of this like thing where grunge rockers started to get a little bit more like soft and tender and emotional I'm not saying Our Lady Peace is like that but when I think of some songs like the Nixons I don't know just sort of like this like they hadn't quite the the world hadn't quite figured out Green Day pop punk yet and they sure. were like is there another sort of heartfelt version of Nirvana out there the answer was no but there were <laughs> and this is it's kind of similar to that I'm looking at the rest of this is Chris Music's uh YouTube and he did I'm Yours by Jason Mraz and I just wanted to listen to that so uh -huh. I'm gonna listen to it focusing on like a truck outside in the parking lot and it says got a realtor so the friend with the hat is back with the fedora is back now this is good this is it's pretty good yeah this is good yeah. well he's just an, it's just an open mic he's gonna sing off key and stuff you know that'll happen It's skipping? I don't think that's not that's not no, our. No, that's just that's not us. That's just <laughs> in the song. Yeah, the guy who sang um, the one I'm waiting for is he's on a ukulele, and mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I just sent you personally a cover that I really enjoyed. It is by Lucy and Joy, who call their YouTube channel The China Girls. Okay. Um, 2010. I actually did a little further digging on this while I came up. They performed this song, just a little background. They performed this song at some sort of ceremony. Actually, I'm not entirely sure. I didn't do that much digging. But they performed this like in dresses with a with a guy on guitar on stage oh, wow. at some sort of some sort of actual performance. Um, but then four years later, they regrouped just the two of them in their room and they performed this version of the song. And we'll actually they have a one minute lead up, just sort of talking about what's been going on and all this stuff. Uh, we'll skip to a minute in when they actually start. 
They're currently single, though. Well, in 2010, in 2010 they were. We miss you because you played guitar for us. And now we have to do it ourselves, and it's kind of horrible. So, okay. By the way, which I don't agree with because I watched the 2006 version of the video they did, and the guy playing guitar was, like, off time. And I think they do a pretty good mm. job here. So we'll see if you actually agree with this. Okay. <laughs> Where that boy can break up—it's like a work of art. This is the worst part. He knows it. He's so confident that he's what everybody wants. harmonizing was nice. Yeah. They switched up the pronouns. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I really liked this version of the song because it was this version of the song where it was like, I felt like somebody finally stripped the song down properly. Mm-hmm. Like where everyone else kind of put a different little beat on it. They just took this very simple beat and just sang the song as it was vocally. And then they harmonized in this really nice way. And it was this version of the song that actually was really able to study the lyrics hmm. and understand them and then go back to the original studio version and really get a better understanding of where that song had sort of always been waiting for me to understand it. Um, fortunately for you, there's not too much weird stuff like in terms of fan videos. That How I... is that fortunate? I love the weird. <laughs> Bring on the weird. But before we... Oh, you mean for the listener. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. There's one last cover, and this is the only full band cover I found. And if you ever wanted to hear this as sort of more of a hardcore punk song, Ooh, here's yes, the last please. actual cover I have for you. And I think it's in Italy. Oh, There's not a lot of context here. Uh, they don't put big descriptions or anything, but I think this is some sort of Italian punk band. Okay. (laughs) 
So I could be wrong. I think it's Italy because at the the whole time I'm like, I was like, oh, he's singing with some sort of accent. And at the end, he definitely says some words in another language, but I can't quite hear it because people are clapping. Plus, these the, guys <laughs> rock. They're they play the song really heavy and really sloppy, and it's a lot of fun. Like I want to. <laughs> basically, I wish there was like someone would come along and do like hardcore punk versions of Reliant K covers like uh call like reliant x or something it'd be totally (laughs) awesome this venue they're playing at is also like something out of a nightmare dream (laughs) because it It looks like they're in a garage but like but they've got a legit lighting setup they've got they've got uh smoke machines yeah but when i say they looks like they're in a garage like imagine your favorite nightclub your favorite place to go see bands perform now imagine that the stage is a garage door and then lift the garage door up and there's a stage inside there. That's what it looks like because it they're has standing. Some CBGB vibes. Yeah, yeah, but they're standing inside a garage and then outside apparently is the crowd, but it's so filled with smoke and light and shadow that we can't really see the people back there, but we hear them plotting. It is wonderfully dreamlike. Um, so we talked about with each one of these songs so far, how they all have sort of a different theme in terms of what happens in the world of fan videos. Like some Reliant K songs have more kids goofing around in front of their webcams. Some Reliant K videos have more uh, other things. I don't remember. (laughs) One of the themes of the one I'm waiting for is shipping video, is ship videos. Oh, wow. Relationship AMVs. Um, Jessica, you were a big fan of this show growing up. Can you tell me who the heck these people are? Because I have no idea. Oh, nice. <laughs> this is, I love it. It's Gilmore Girls. And it's this like. Is, this is a Rory and Jess ship video, which was my ship from that show. Oh, so I there love you it. Go. I, oh. actually, I actually put this together. This is my video. Oh, I found it. I knew I'd find it. <laughs> I knew I'd find it one day. Uh, were you also a big fan of this show? I don't know what this is. <laughs> Tony and Ziva. I didn't what know, is this? I didn't know what it was either. Then I realized oh, her hat... Oh, she's wearing a hat that says NCIS. NCIS. <laughs> it's an NCIS thing. Uh, that's so specific. Um, <laughs> hey, don't ship shame, Danny. I won't ship shame. I'm sorry. I'll be ship shape in not doing ship shame. Uh... I know you, oh, wrong, I didn't copy paste that correctly. I know you must have loved this show. This is probably one of your favorite shows. You won't stop talking about it. I know you're a big SETI uh, shipper, right? (laughs) Are you laughing because you remember the good times you had shipping SETI? What is this? Is this Drake and Josh or iCarly or something? No, it's Sam and Freddy. Don't you? Didn't you ever want Sam and Freddy from iCarly to be together? iCarly. Oh, I wonder if Kathy's in the background in any of these. I think she was. An, <laughs> I have a friend that was an extra on that show. Yes. Well, this is the iCarly ship video. Uh, yeah, lots and lots of shipping videos, and just for I don't know who doesn't know this, but shipping means relationshiping it's characters in fictional shows that you want to see together that's your ship but did you know that shipping doesn't necessarily have to reflect only on fictional characters 
For instance, if you were, say, a big fan of Miranda Richardson and Rutger Hauer, <laughs> and you loved Reliant K's song, the one I'm waiting for, and you were like, and you were like, I think Miranda Richardson and Rutger Hauer look adorable together in the two films they worked in side by side, Fatherland and Merlin, then you would make a little ship video for these two real life people that you think should be together. And you'd create the video in onetruemedia.com. Yeah, I didn't, I kind of didn't. Like, I know that uh, fan fiction is a thing where real people pop up all the time. Like, hey, what if the two property brothers got, one of, one of the property brothers got the other one pregnant? <laughs> I know that's a real thing. <laughs> but I kind of didn't think that, like, oh, I ship these two celebrities. I'm going to set a Reliant K video to them. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> then, let's see. I, you love skateboarding. I found a skateboard video. I don't know how much you want to say about it, but it's just Sweet. people skateboarding to the song. Yeah, just kids doing some awesome skateboard moves. Good stuff. Yep. Ooh, um, that kid wiped it. <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yes. Next. Um, Pressing on. So in the past, and this is actually what we'll end on, because in the past I've put a kibosh on discussing drum covers and guitar covers because I actually find them kind of boring. All it is is you put the record on in your room and you pick up your instrument and you play along and that's somehow called a cover on YouTube. I don't get it. I never have. But because this song is so technical, people have done a lot of these and so I couldn't avoid them and I actually think I found one of my favorite guitar covers ever. I actually posted about this ahead of time on the Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. I did. You did. Well, and I can't surprise you, but this guy is... <laughs> I'm still excited. This guy is capital A awesome. It is uh, Ray Lee. Here's another one of my favorite Reliant K songs. It took me way too long to learn to play the lead part because I realized I'd been playing it wrong for like a decade. Ha ha. And so he plays twice in two in a split screen. He does the lead and the rhythm. So I just, this guy's got so much energy and he's so happy to be doing this. Plus he's constantly doing this. I mean, however far apart he recorded his two parts for this, he does the exact same moves both times. He time. does. He does like a little, he does like a mini scissor kick right at the same time. <laughs> and then he'll do like a bob his head like yeah. at the exact same time in it's both so times he recorded it. Um, yeah, there's so many guitar and drum covers and a lot of them are actually good, <laughs> which is surprising for me personally but um because normally like they're always overblown and because they're always overblown or whatever I've, I've always been a poop when it comes to guitar and drum covers but i listened to a bunch of them and i really like them and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take like nine of them and i'm gonna layer them all on top of the actual song amazing and i'm gonna post that on our social media 
Wonderful. Here, I look forward to it. Here's a drum cover by Ryan Orchard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's good. It's awesome. Ryan I'm slowly was converting it. to the drum and guitar cover thing. Um, but yeah, that's that is the one I'm waiting for. Yeah. And Not you as- know, I was surprised when I I went to do the same thing that I did last week where I went to starting at the third page of Google search results and then just went back from there. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot. It was a lot of just it was a lot of just song lyrics. Just different websites that list the song lyrics um, in different languages and that sort of thing. There were no blogs or anything like that with this title. So I yeah. I found that kind of interesting because this album was very, very popular. It was. It was the, I mean, Five Score was their biggest seller. And this is the lead into that. This is where they're really starting to make their name and, and become mainstream popular. It hit number 15 on the Billboard 200. And on the U.S. Christian albums for Billboard, it hit number one. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's about it for this song. Like, it's it's my favorite song in this album. Uh, I'm interested to hear what other people feel about it. So, if you want to share your thoughts, we have our Twitter account and our Instagram, which are Sadie Hawkins Pod. We have an email, which is sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. And our phone number is 402-95-SADIE. And that's something I should mention. Apparently on the social medias, I've been effing up and saying the wrong area code. Uh-oh. So forget, I don't. I didn't say it in the podcast wrong. In fact, last week you hear a very obvious edit of me going 402-95-SADIE. <laughs> it is 402-95-SADIE. That's the phone number to call. Leave us a voicemail. Just call and say hi. You don't even have to... Leave a voicemail for the podcast. Just say, yeah, hey, we just guys, like hearing from you. Yeah. Tell us how's, how's school going. You don't call us enough. Like, you got work. You got a girlfriend. What's going on? You got a boyfriend. Hey, just let us know. So thanks for listening. And uh, we will hear you next week when we'll be talking about uh, five score and seven years ago. The first two songs off that. The acapella intro as well as some other song <laughs> i'll find out what that song is called and hey you know what let's leave it at that because it's going to be a big mystery what what was the second song off of five score and seven years ago you're going to have to listen to the podcast to find out so in the meantime we hope you found what you're waiting for